Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 2 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 55 is entitled, This Melting World. Science can use math to explain what law does, but science cannot use math to invent law or to understand what a law is or where laws come from. The highest achievement of science is the invention of language to explain the patterns of law. In other words, the highest achievement of science is the invention of math. God does not use math to create the universe. Man invented math to explain how God created the universe. In the words of the Apostle Paul, For to one is given by the Spirit diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Math is to science what words are to poets, a language, a set of symbols, a matrix of abstractions to explain the melting universe, nothing more. All language requires an interpreter. We are not creators. God is the creator. We are interpreters. We are imitators. We do not create laws. We adapt the laws of God to advance our technology and to satisfy our desires. We should not confuse the language of reality for reality. Math is necessary to man because math explains laws in such a way that we can harness it to advance technology and to understand reality. Reality is governed by law, and anything governed by law is absolute. Everything else is an illusion of reality. We live in a melting world. Therefore, reality appears to be fluid. But that, too, is an illusion caused by the limitations of our natural senses. If we could see through spiritual eyes, we would see that we live in eternity, and that this melting world is but a brief stage of an everlasting journey. It is the only part of the journey that has death. Everything has its opposite. One primary purpose of earth is to give the immortal spirit a mortal body that will change to an immortal body, which will be with us throughout all eternity. The resurrection is a free gift of Jesus Christ. Every soul born on this earth will be resurrected. We had to experience this melting world to understand the absolute laws of eternity. The single greatest mistake we can make on this disappearing earth is to not recognize that everything we do here has eternal consequences. Jesus said, Matthew 13, 41-43 The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, And they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them that do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul explains what the Savior means. 1 Corinthians 15:40-42 There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars 
For one star differeth from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. That is what Christ meant when he said, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He is not talking metaphorically. In another place, John describes what it is like to live with Christ in the celestial glory. 1 John 3, 2 Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We know that John the Beloved saw the resurrected Lord. In the book of Revelation, John, who saw the resurrected, glorified Lord in vision, records that he shone brighter than the sun at midday. And he has in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. John also records that in the celestial glory described by Paul, the righteous shall be able to look upon the face of the Lord directly. They could not do that if they themselves were not like him. Revelation 22, 4-5 And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. Those who live with Christ will have a resurrected body that shines like the glory of the sun. Only those who strive to keep the commandments of God will receive a celestial reward. Law is light, and obedience to law determines the light we inherit in the resurrection. Some will shine like the glory of the sun, some will shine like the glory of the moon, and others will shine like the glory of the stars. Those refer to the many different levels of heaven spoken of by Paul. In other words, the laws we live determine the light we inherit. Those who live in the celestial world with Christ are those who sought to obey the laws of Christ on earth to the best of their ability. Let me use the example of electricity. Man did not invent electricity. Lightning predated man. Man discovered electricity and learned how to channel its power. Electricity, like water, follows the path of least resistance. For example, a river may flow leisurely to the sea. However, if a dam is formed and the water channeled through a narrow gorge or dam, then generators are strategically placed where the turbines receive the strongest force. Therefore, electricity is organized. Copper wire, like the banks of a river, offers the path of least resistance. Therefore, electricity is channeled through a narrow copper wire, creating the strongest force possible. At the end of the wire is placed another dam in the form of an electric motor that does the work. That principle helps us to power the windows in our cars and light our cities. We don't actually create power. Power cannot be created or destroyed. We harness power. The same is true for life consciousness, intelligence, and free will. There is no origin because there is no beginning, no first cause. A fundamental law of the universe is this. Nothing that is eternal can be either created or destroyed. It can only be channeled for good or for evil. All potential for power self-exists. We organize power through law. We channel the elements and control power, and therefore it performs work. It is no accident that electricity flows in waves, water flows in waves, sound flows in waves, and light flows in waves. 
Nothing is really solid in our mortal world, though our gross senses make it appear so. If all space between atoms were removed, our Earth would be the size of an orange. In our melting world, we live in the fluidity of life, or everything would meld into a hardness of abstraction, allowing no life at all. Even an erupting volcano, flowing from the bowels of the Earth, burning its way through the hard crust, creates a tunnel on the surface to channel its flowing molten lava to the sea where it creates new land. Without volcanoes, there would be no islands. We live in an illusion of solidity, but swim in an ocean of fluidity. A falling star melts the sand and flows through the liquefaction of Earth's hard crust before it nestles itself in an eternal cocoon. What boy hasn't thrown a stone into a mud bank to watch the mud liquefy and splatter and the stones sink into oblivion? It is necessary or change cannot occur. The only thing that really matters is that which is eternal. We were sent to this melting earth to discover truth, to understand what endures, not to luxuriate in the liquid fluidity of distracting sensuality. Peter tells us, 2 Peter 2, 10-14 But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. All the treasures of this earth will melt with fervent heat, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Only that which we take with us to the next world really matters. Therefore, while on this mortal earth, we must find that which we can take with us into eternity. Ultimately, everything must be explained through light. How could it be otherwise? In light will be the secret of law, knowledge, power, intelligence, glory, order, creation, meaning, and truth. All truth is spiritual. By design, the Spirit of God first moved upon the waters, and from those waters came forth life. It was not until the Lord blessed and sanctified the earth that life first came from the earth. Only in our conditional world do we have the power, through obeying the laws of God, whether temporal or spiritual, to reshape our world and our lives, and out of the fluidity of fire forge our own eternal destiny. No one is more ill-equipped to understand the origin of life than atheists who use science to disprove the existence of God. If we did not swim in this sea of life, then we would not move through the developmental stages necessary to reach our potential. That which hardens stops flowing and stands like a rigid post while the winds of time wear it down and turn it back into dust. Life offers many obstacles to our free flow. The highest achievement of man is the invention of poetry, not the invention of math. Math reveals the order of law, but poetry gives meaning to the abstraction. Poetry is built on an analogy, illustrating the likeness of things. The Holy Scriptures are written in poetic form. That is why the Holy Bible is filled with literal and figurative images. 
It compares the temporal with the spiritual and shows that everything is one great whole. By creating the earth, God gave us a mirror of reality and not reality itself. It is not what things are, but what they mean that matters. Satan tries to persuade us to shatter that mirror and fragment our lives. In our shattered world, we live in shards. Math, with all of its elegance, is an abstruse teacher. Science gave us the tic-tac-toe of tedious math. The muses gave us the mellifluous alliteration of liquid poetry. Law and creation can begin without language, but science cannot. Ever since Adam, man has been classifying and dividing the flora, fauna, and elements of the earth and stars. Because we are placed in this world in medias rei, in the middle of things, the inductive process is the only way we can make sense of our surroundings. We came last, after all other forms of life had been created. To understand our orderly world, we not only must gather all the facts, we must also understand the principles of classification and division, and standards of judgment. To understand what and how, we must understand the who and why. Science looks for more facts. Christians look for more meaning. Science seeks temporal law to understand creation. Christians seek temporal and spiritual law to understand God. Science collects data that leads them to elegant mathematical formulas, which are abstractions explaining abstractions. Science divides the laws. Religion puts them back together. Science is looking for a unified theory by studying fragments of a fragment. They only know temporal law. Christians are looking for a unified theory by merging temporal law with spiritual law and finding God, who is not fragmented. It is not what things are in our melting world that matters. It is what things mean. We overlook a very simple truth. The theory of evolution is not a fact. The theory of evolution is an attempt to interpret the factual data collected by science. The theory of evolution is an interpretation by man of incomplete evidence, not an eternal truth. If evolution obeys laws, it is functional. If it doesn't obey law, it is false. The functional part of evolution is true science. The theoretical part of evolution is nothing more than the opinions of proud man, often clouded by personal biases and driven by ideology and agendas. A theist will find evidence of God everywhere. An atheist will find evidence of atheism everywhere. Do not ask a scientist what he has found. Ask a scientist what he is looking for, and you will know what he has found. Theory doesn't change anything. It is theory that changes, not truth. Haven't you noticed that the theories of science lead to an eternal nothingness, to an accidental universe, and a giant heat death, to a great freeze or maximum equilibrium in which there is no opposition, no possibility of creation, and no life? The reason that the philosophy of science ends in nothing is because it began with nothing. Nothing comes of nothing, as King Lear so aptly said. Those who adjust their life and reality to the choices of men rather than to the truths and laws of God will be blown about like dust in a whirlwind, blinded by their own impetuous stirrings. Those who adjust their life and reality to the commandment of God will have truth added to truth until the perfect day when they will know all. Imagine that if on earth the truth shall make us free, what would it be like in heaven where all truth is revealed? Now that is freedom to hope for.
Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.